Well, if you're a Stanford fan and if you'd gone trick-or-treating at Stanford Stadium on Saturday night, you know what you would have gotten? A rock. Not pretty stuff at Stanford Stadium on Saturday night as the Cardinals drop a 20-13 loss to the Washington Huskies. And that's what we're here to break down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. On the Believe Podcast Network, Sunday, October 31st, 2021 Halloween. Hope that you've enjoyed the weekend so far. Saturday night's result notwithstanding. And uh, that you're being safe and uh, celebrating the Halloween weekend um, as best as you possibly can. Um, We're going to talk about some scary stuff uh, on this episode. Great to have you with us. Troy Clarity here. Season number 29 of Following Stanford Football. Season number 8 of Play-by-Play with the Pac-12 Network. And on this episode of the show, you're obviously going to hear from Stanford head coach David Shaw, inside linebacker Lavani DeMuni, plus a little bit from tight end Ben Urosik as well as as everyone tries to pick up the pieces and, and sort through what the heck happened against the Washington Huskies, a team that was, like Stanford, at 3-4 and four coming into last week's Pac-12 football action, but had really struggled offensively throughout much of the season, even lost to Montana at home, only scoring seven points against the Grizzlies, and those seven points came in the opening drive. But the Huskies able to put it together against the Stanford squad that is really starting to flail around a little bit and, and needs to find something to cling on to and do it quickly if they want to have any hope of any bowl aspirations. As always, I encourage you to uh, hit me up with the follow on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y at Troy Clarity for the follow on Twitter. Subscribe to the show, rate and review the show. You can check it out, of course, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts from. And hopefully this is one of your favorite podcasts, even though. Today's probably not going to be one of your favorite episodes, I'm sure. But uh, Apple Play, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify and Stitcher, and Alexa, and, and everyone. Tune in is also in on the TreeCast as well. Uh, certainly encourage and thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and reacting to the show as only you can. Well, uh, no way to spin it. That was a pillow fight. For much of the way between Stanford and Washington on Saturday night. Stanford didn't get its first touchdown until early in the fourth quarter after a 16-play, 75-yard drive. UW didn't get its first touchdown until 21 seconds left in the game. Unfortunately for Stanford, it just happened to be the game-winning touchdown as the Huskies were driving for the game-winning score, perhaps setting themselves up for the go-ahead field goal, but instead, Dylan Morris finding Jalen McMillan, who beat Stanford's Jaden Slocum, one-on-one coverage, hit McMillan in the end zone, 21 seconds left. Huskies added the two-point conversion, and UW got its first win on the farm in 14 years. David Shaw, obviously not thrilled with that outcome. I have a locker room full of guys that are not happy right now, and they shouldn't be. So, you know, we, we looked at some things this week, we're looking at some more things next week. This team is better than it's playing, and it's up to me to find out why we're not and what we can do to get there. Um, Because we can play much better than we played again tonight, and I'm tired of saying that. 
Yep, and a lot of soul-searching right now in the coaches' offices and in the Stanford locker room as well as the Cardinals try to regroup and do it quickly as they've got a short week to face a Utah squad that's been playing very, very well of late. Three things you need to know about Stanford and Washington coming up in just a moment. But first, Bet Online is back and better than ever with the new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use their promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Stanford loses to Washington to drop to 3-5 and five on the year as we head into November. Three things you need to know from the game here and now, starting with number one. And we talked about it uh, in the preview episode, uh, getting ready for this game, is as Stanford-Washington matched the two teams with the most rushing yards per game allowed in the Pac-12. UW ranked number 11, Stanford in last, both at around 200 yards rushing per game allowed entering this uh, entering last week's contest. So what happened when these resistible forces met those movable objects? Stanford running backs ran for just 78 yards on 21 carries. And actually, that number's pretty good considering how Stanford uh, fared on the ground the first three quarters of the game. They did next to nothing. Washington's running backs... 38 carries, 215 yards. Washington's last-minute drive? Well, after an opening pass, UW ran it six straight times and picked up 36 yards before getting the game-winning pass. Stanford inside linebacker Lavani Damuni very, very unhappy with all of this. Numbers from today and from past games just makes, makes me sick looking at them. Um, uh, just not enough gap integrity. Uh, just need more, more of that grit, more of that nastiness on that for those first and second downs in order to make those third downs easy, third downs uh, easier. Um, but especially in the run, where for that first down, we're always uh, they're getting six, seven yards of pop. So it's just yeah, just need, just need to bring in more. You know, uh, I don't know, just has not been what we wanted what we want this season. Silvani so Damuni and uh, UW on the night with 15 rushing first downs. 15! Stanford at five. We'll dive deeper into this later on in the show, but there's no question about this. Huskies won the line of scrimmage deep decisively on both sides of the ball. Let's get to number two. And personnel-wise, it was great to see a couple of guys back would have been so much nicer to have a couple of other guys back in the fold against the Huskies. E.J. Smith and safety Noah Williams back in the mix for Stanford. Uh, but Smith, as, we, as we've talked about over the last few uh, last few weeks, I, I think without Smith being that Swiss Army type guy lining up in the slot, moving him around a little bit, getting quick passes, getting yardage after the catch, Stanford missed that after E.J suffered his injury to his leg late in that Vanderbilt game. So it was good to have him back from that standpoint. 
Wide receivers Michael Wilson and John Humphreys, no, not so much. They were not dressed for the game, and they did not participate in pregame warm-ups. After the game, I asked David Shaw about having E.J. Smith back and how close Michael Wilson and John Humphreys are or were to returning against the Huskies. Yeah, it was really good to see EJ back out there. Had a great week of practice. He's completely healthy. Uh, was a little rusty out there today. Still made some nice plays for us. Um, I anticipate him being better next week. Um, just a week back, you know, after missing a few weeks. Um, uh, Mike and John, I think, are close. They're close. Uh, both were late week calls. Both were not ready. wasn't wasn't really close. They weren't really ready, but they were, they were able to come out and practice this week, which was good. Um, next week, short week, um, Monday, Tuesday on the field. We'll probably have to make an evaluation after Tuesday and uh, see if those guys are ready. One or both of those guys are ready to come back and join us. As David Shaw also added that Elijah Higgins, who missed a few plays in the third quarter. And an already thin wide receiving core got even thinner at that point, but Higgins was able to return on the very next drive. But it was nice to see EJ, EJ Smith and also Noah Williams back on the field, but no doubt about it, this team also needs Wilson and Humphreys back as well. Let's finish up three things with number three. The room where Stanford football's postgame press conferences are held, uh, it's in the field house at the end of the stadium tunnel. And from that room where we are waiting for the coaches and the players to come in for Stanford, it's not that unusual to hear what's happening in the winning locker room. Both locker rooms are also in that field house as well. Uh, when Stanford beat Oregon a few weeks ago <laughs> in a game that in some ways seemed like it was played in a completely different dimension, uh, we could hear the team doing its city house chant. You could probably hear a pin drop in Stanford's locker room last night, according to Cardinal tight end Ben Urosky. We're looking at the season. We're trying to finish up as strong as possible, right? We're not looking back at these last three weeks. Obviously, it's been very frustrating. Obviously, the locker room has been very quiet after, and that's not the feelings we want to have. Um, ben Urosky. Meanwhile, we could clearly hear the Huskies celebrating their win as uh, someone grabbed a grabbed a, 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 an iPod or something like that. I don't know. And they were playing Prince's Purple Rain and turned it up to 11. Well, to, to steal the line from my man Hank Waddles at uh, GoMightyCard.com, sign of the times. Meanwhile, for Stanford, something in the water does not compute. Those are three things. Let's go through some numbers of note. Tanner McKee, 21-32 for 194 yards. Threw two picks, got a rushing touchdown, but he was also sacked three times and fumbled once. Austin Jones, resurgent in the fourth quarter after being dormant in the third along with the rest of the Stanford rushing attack. He actually finished with decent numbers, 16 carries for 62 yards. And Ben Urosik with another nice night for him, six catches for 93 yards. Um, no sacks, no turnovers for the Stanford defense. If you want to boil this game down to one sequence, I think for the most part you can start here. 312 left in the game, Stanford with the ball and a 13 to 12 lead after after forcing a turnover on downs and Cardinal first and 10 at their own 35. Think back to last year against the Huskies up in Seattle. 
after UW made it a five-point game midway through the fourth quarter, Stanford ran off the final 7.54 of clock and, 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 cl- and closed out the win. Ran off the final eight minutes of the game. This year, Stanford had a chance to salt away the win. And the running game was showing some signs of life it had earlier in the fourth quarter with, with real live holes being opened up and everything. So now this was a chance for Stanford to do what it likes to do best in the second half. Hold on to leads and solidify leads and close out wins by running the ball. So what happens? First down, Austin Jones picks up two yards. Huskies call timeout with 3.07 to go. Second and eight, Jones picks up three. UW calls its third and final timeout with 3.02 left. Third and five from Stanford's 40. McKee runs a bootleg, has fullback Jay Simmons open, but doesn't see him quickly enough. Gets pressured as he rolls to the right, finally throws, but uncorks one that's low and behind Simmons who can't make the catch. Incomplete pass, stops the clock, And for a team that has no timeouts left, as Washington did at that point, that's a godsend, a gift from the heavens. Shaw with his brief thoughts on on what happened during that sequence. At the end of the game, got an opportunity between running the ball and, you know, very infrequently, right, we'll throw the ball in that situation late in the game, and uh, we, we couldn't connect. Good call, bad call, hey, it's a bad call if it doesn't work. Um... So that's on me. Probably shouldn't have done that. Um, trying to find a way to get a first down, to try to end the game. Yeah, no major, major quarrel with the third down call there for me. And the call was there. It was there. Simmons was open. But McKee, for whatever reason, didn't throw it early enough. Just wasn't executed well. And you could say, hey, Washington in no timeouts, just run the ball anyway. And at the very least, you bleed off some clock. And while, yes, there is that, you still had five yards to try to pick up. Probably a bit more likely that you were going to do it via a play like a bootleg than you were just with a straight handoff or a draw. Even though Stanford had been running the ball better than it had been throughout much of that game earlier in the fourth quarter. I, I just think that that Stanford had a better chance of picking up that first down via the air. So instead of burning clock, as Stanford would have loved to have done on that possession, the card take just 21 seconds off the clock. 21 seconds, that's it. UW got it back with 2.51 to go. And even though the Huskies had to call their final two timeouts, they sure as heck got helped out by that incomplete pass. Oh, then Stanford got called for delay a game on the punt, which went out of bounds for just a 32-yard kick, giving the Huskies relatively decent field position. So just about everything Stanford absolutely could not do on third down and fourth down in that situation, Stanford did them. They checked all of those boxes. A disastrous third and fourth down sequence for Stanford as it was trying to do something that it had not done really at any point this year. 
hang on to a lead by running down clock. It was right there for him, and the Cardinal couldn't do it. And it goes back to this. Stanford was beaten thoroughly on both sides of the line, not just offensively, but both sides of the line. In the past 15 years, Stanford has largely been much better in the trenches than UW. You know, we, we talked about this last week. Stanford dropping 446 yards rushing on the Huskies 10 years ago. Joshua Garnett blowing up that linebacker a few years ago as well for the Huskies. Just, a, just embarrassing the poor kid, posterizing him. And Garnett becoming an instant hero to all offensive linemen everywhere. Past 15 years, Stanford has been decisively better in the trenches than the Huskies. And actually, that was the main reason why I actually picked Washington to finish just fourth in the North behind Stanford because I thought Stanford would be better up front than the Huskies again this year. Well, based on Saturday night in the head-to-head matchup, I was wrong. We saw the rotation at right tackle for Stanford that David Shaw told us would happen with Branson Bragg normally playing right guard starting instead at right tackle and playing most of the game there with Jake Hornerbrook uh, playing right guard for much of the way. Miles Hinton, the normal starter at right tackle, uh, played a couple series there, but but obviously Branson Bragg with the, the lion's share of playing time there. But even with that, I didn't see any real difference from how things have gone largely up front for Stanford, certainly over the past few weeks in particular. UW's defensive line was much stronger, much stronger, pushing dudes back into the backfield on several occasions. And their linebackers were much quicker. Meanwhile, on the other side, Stanford's front seven a non-factor. Washington with a makeshift offensive line. Yet, somehow, they were able to consistently put hats on people, open up holes, and seal off edges. And the Husky offensive line was winning their battles by midway through the second quarter. They, they had established themselves by that point. So Huskies turned the tables on Stanford on Saturday night, reversing what had been the trend for much of the last 15 years. As Stanford decisively, and maybe even in some cases thoroughly beaten on both sides of the line. And until that turns around, it's going to be tough sledding for Stanford on both sides of the ball. Now, it wasn't just the line play. Offensively, Stanford saving its biggest mistakes for the biggest situations possible in plus territory. Third and five from the Washington 15 early in the second quarter. McKee forces one to Elijah Higgins short of a marker. Even worse, ball gets tipped and picked off. Huskies turned that into a go-ahead field goal. Big play in that sequence. Stanford could have been up 10-3 if they'd been able to to punch that one in. Instead, ended up being a 6-3 Washington lead, and that lead would get bigger before the end of the half. That play was probably the biggest illustration of another empty drive for the Cardinal. We've We've seen that quite often. And that's that, that, that left David Shaw to sing a familiar song after the game. I got to go back and look at the film. Got a good feeling. 
but I want to look at the film and confirm a couple things. Um, but you know, for for us to have the drives, three drives off the top of my head right now, where we march down the field, you know, looking great. Actually, technically four drives, including the one we scored a touchdown on late. Four drives during the game, and those four drives coming up with with ten points. Um, turnover, field goal, late touchdown, you know, early. It just it's uneven. Uneven. Yeah, Stanford struggled in the second half, the second quarter, rather, of games lately, by the way. Scoring just three points in the second quarter in the last three games. Just three points total. Really tough sledding for Stanford, and much of it self-inflicted. Opening drive, a chance to maybe punch it in for six, try the back shoulder fade uh, from McKee as, as he tried to hit Elijah Higgins. Well-defensed, we'll give the, the Huskies credit on that one a bit, but not the most accurate pass for McKee in that situation either to help give Higgins a true chance to make that play. And I, I, know, I, know some of, I know some folks out there, are, <laughs> they're, they're loath to hear the fact that it's execution whenever things don't go right for the Cardinal, but it's true. It's true. And by the way, yes, I saw Emmett's tweet, Emmett Smith's tweet last night, Saturday night during the game. Um, here's the thing. If you want to feature the running backs, you got to have the offensive line to do it. This Stanford team's better at throwing the ball than it is at running it. And let's face it, EJ gives this passing attack something it's been missing. So right now, the best way to feature him is is as a receiver. If you start giving EJ the rock, do you have any confidence at all that the line is going to open up the holes that he needs and give him a chance to get things going and to make big plays? Right now, quite honestly, as I sit here uh, late Sunday morning, I don't. I don't. So the best way to feature EJ is as a receiver right now because the best chance that Stanford has as an offense is to feature the quarterback. Now, is this offense predictable? That's another conversation to be had, but but you got to feature the quarterback. That's the best way to go right now for this offense. Had to get that off my chest. A couple other things I want to get off my chest here for a moment um, as far as things that didn't go right. Um, I, I don't mind playing the field position and defense game, but it helps when you have the defense to pull it off. Goes for timeout management too. Let me take you back to late first half. Three minutes to go. Huskies up 6-3. UW ball at its own five-yard line. They run it. They run the ball to the seven. Just a two-yard pickup. And Shaw calls timeout. With 2.55 to go. And Washington with the ball at its own seven. Okay, with a defense that has more consistent success stopping people, calling that timeout at that particular time probably makes more sense. Not with this defense, unfortunately. UW threw for a first down on the next play, and then they drove to a field goal to end the half for a 9-3 lead. 
Meanwhile, the kicking game was a real letdown. A kickoff out of bounds after Stanford got the touchdown and had some momentum, but then the next thing you know, Washington with great field position to try to get back in it. And Ryan Sanborn with some chances to pin the Huskies inside their own 20 on punts, only did it once. Actually hit a couple of short punts that went out of bounds. That gave the Huskies a lot better field position than they probably should have had. Now, as usual with Stanford this year, there actually were some pretty good moments. The defense with a big fourth down stop early in the fourth quarter with UW up 12-10 after Stanford had just gotten its first touchdown. Huskies had second and two from the Stanford 46, and they didn't get the first down. Stanford stopping Cameron Davis for a yard, dropping him for no gain on third down, and then snuffing out the sneak from Dylan Morris. That opened up the way for Stanford to get their go-ahead field goal drive. Bright spot for Stanford defensively. Levani DeMuni takes us through it. Yeah, that first down, they they got a, a good a good chunk on us. and But those second, third, and fourth, uh, that second down, we I think maybe it was a TFO. I can't remember. But uh, when we stopped them on third down, um, yeah, that was a big deal. And we knew they were going to go for it. And uh, we just knew that look when they, they get under short, short yardage, they're under center with one back, and those tight ends are close like that. It's, just, it's their sneak look. And so, uh, yeah, just yelling sneak, sneak to um, alert everybody. We got that A-gap closed off and then, um, you know, got, got that good push. But, um, again, like, what I what I said earlier about we could, those downs could have been much easier if we if that first down wasn't wasn't so much so um, but yeah it was good we we stepped up right there when we needed to so proud, proud of the D right there yeah yeah remember when Stanford had allowed 17 straight fourth down conversions a trend that had stretched over three different seasons well. Since snapping that streak with that big goal line stop against Oregon, Stanford opponents on fourth down, two for seven. Two for seven. You'd like it to be 0 for seven, but that's still a heck of a lot better than 17 for 17. So the Cardinal actually faring better on fourth down defensively. Hey, yay. That, that's a positive. I'll take it at this point. Maybe I'm grasping for straws, but, you know, any port in a storm, right? And at that point in the game, Stanford was actually swarming to the ball. Something we hadn't seen much of this year. And they'd actually stopped the Huskies again on fourth down. Later in the game, Caillou Blue Kelly with the big pass breakup to end that Huskies drive. And to set the stage for, for Stanford to run down the final 3-12 of clock. Oh, wait. No, that, that didn't happen. So, flashes from the defense. And I liked much of Stanford's early offensive game plan. The variety of formations, the usage of E.J. Smith, uh, the motion. We saw some pretty creative ways of getting the ball to Ben Urosik and Elijah Higgins on play fakes and screens, misdirection. I really liked a lot of the different things that we saw from Stanford in that respect. And on Stanford's touchdown drive, my God, we actually saw legitimate run blocking from the offensive line with dudes getting hats on people. Linemen getting up to the second level. And Austin Jones running through holes. 
I had forgotten what that actually looked like. So there actually were some good things that Stanford had, uh, did during the course of Saturday night's game against the Huskies. But as has been the case, unfortunately, more often than not so far this year, the good things are, are overshadowed by the self-inflicted wounds that Stanford seems to insist upon, upon putting upon itself. Now, look, Washington beat Stanford, especially in the trenches on both sides of the ball. But once again, Stanford beat Stanford. So what's ahead? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I'd like to think that Utah having to come here on a short week is a potentially big advantage for Stanford. But the way Utah and Stanford are respectively playing right now, it's really hard for me to go there. It really is. And oh, by the way, that's a pretty physical ball club, especially in the trenches. Oregon State has a bruising running game. They took one on the chin. I'm still surprised that that by, by that result they had over in Berkeley on Saturday afternoon. But Beavs have a bruising running game and a quarterback who's good for two to three just wow throws a game. Cal is acting like it wants to play some ball right now. I didn't see that coming from them on Saturday against Oregon State. And I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to Notre Dame, quite honestly. But they're a pretty good squad. Pretty good squad. This was supposed to be the easy half of Stanford's schedule. But unless a lot of things change, Right away, it's not going to be the easy half at all. I always welcome your reaction. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter is the way to go there. That's the best way to ensure that I see what you've got on your mind. Probably not great. I Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not too thrilled about things myself. <laughs> Oh, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. And if this is what I'm going through, I can only imagine what the what the coaches and the players themselves are going through right now. Not a lot of time to turn it around. As mentioned, Stanford against Utah, Friday night football on the farm. As the Utes pretty much have the South, they're in the driver's seat in a big-time way down there. And clearly with, some of the losses that that they have suffered as a team, and I'm not just talking about wins and losses, but a couple of a couple of beloved um, young men in that program uh, losing their lives over the last over the last year, and with what that team is playing for, it's going to be a tall task for Stanford certainly this Friday. Then again, you know what? I've been in this situation. You know, many times over the years, and Stanford's come out on top. So can I rule out Stanford doing some big things and doing something special and coming away with the win against the Utah Utes? No, I can't. Do a lot of things and a lot of dominoes have to fall in the right places for that to happen? Yep. Yep, they sure do. Short week. I don't think it'll change our posting schedule that much for this week, 
looking to come at you again on Thursday morning to preview Stanford versus Utah. Uh, Our post-show decent chance it might not actually come until Sunday as I have Pac-12 Network play-by-play duties on Saturday. So I I wouldn't rule out maybe a show coming up uh, on on, on Saturday um, after the game, uh, but more likely on Sunday, I I would think, at this point. Either way, the next time we'll talk to you will be on Thursday morning is when our next episode should post. Again, don't forget, subscribe to the show. Be a part of the program. We always appreciate it when you do. And certainly thank you, a big time thank you to those of you who have checked out the program. And even more, those of you who have shared the program, shared the show with other Stanford fans. Heck, even other fans who might not necessarily be rooting on the Cardinal. But appreciative of those of you who uh, listen to the show and, uh, and, and, and stay with us. Um, don't know what it's going to look like the next few weeks, but we'll be here for it. We'll be here for it. So we'll talk to you on Thursday. You heard from David Shaw, you heard from Ben Urasik, and you heard from Levani Damuni. Thanks to you for being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. Talk to you later this week on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.